morning. Ron Bryce in uh, the, the Fingerprint of God uh, re- relays the following story. Uh, one day, I assisted a surgeon. He had me reach into the patient's chest and turn his heart so that he could work on it from a better angle. As I gingerly swiveled it, he asked, how does it feel to hold a man's heart beating in your hand? In spite of our manipulations, the man's heart kept thumping as billions of tiny heart cells communicated and coordinated their activities. The cells in your heart rhythmically contract in unity acting together to produce a heartbeat. If these living cells are separated from the heart in a test tube, they will instinctively continue beating, but not in coordination with each other. If the cells are brought back into contact with one another, the instant they touch, their contractions again become synchronized. That is the nature of heart cells. Individual heart cells cannot accomplish their God-given function alone. They were designed to be one of many cells in one heart. While they serve a unique function in the body, they're not useful if they don't communicate and coordinate their efforts. If the members of an entire body don't communicate, life is not possible. A single heart cell working alone cannot pump blood to the body, no matter how hard it tries. It needs the other cells to Uh, fulfill its purpose and so this is a consistent pattern uh, found in all living bodies he says the only way a body can survive is through its many members working together this is a this is a picture of unity oneness uh, you know common purpose that we're going to talk about today today we're going to look at psalm 133 this is a this is a psalm about unity unity of, of god's people and uh, this this psalm is one of uh, fifteen psalms that are that are known as uh, songs of ascent. Now we we sang that that song earlier that said, "Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return unto Zion." That's that's actually a, a description of what would happen as the uh, the Israelites would uh, for for certain festivals uh, like like the Passover they would they would come to Jerusalem and on the road they would sing these songs together. You know, the, the picture is just of a, a joyous band of people singing praises to God. This is one of those. So Psalm 133 is a celebration of, of family and, and community. It's a celebration of unity among God's people. Let's, let's read this together, Psalm 133. But since we have different versions, that's not going to work well, is it, since we don't have it up there? Just let me read it. You guys can listen. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard of, uh, on the beard of Aaron, running down on, his, on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we uh, look into your word this morning, I just pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, uh, prepare the, the soil, make it fertile for your word to uh, take root and grow. Lord, teach us, teach us from your word. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers. 
We praise you, Lord, for revealing yourself and your will to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So now in the immediate context, this psalm is about family life in in Israel, family life uh, of extended families, you know, the family structure uh, where where brothers would often live in close proximity to each other. You know, I kind of feel like in this agrarian society that we have right now, we, we see a little bit of that. We, we have the Baumans, you know, Fran and uh, Matt and Luke and their families all together kind of in one place in close, close proximity. I guess you guys probably get along pretty well up there. You know, we've got, um, you know, the, the Atchison's and, and the McCourts and, and their, their families living you know, north of town. Well, this is what life was like in, in Israel. And it was good in such a case when, when family members did actually live together in, in peace and, and harmony with each other. You know, that wasn't always the case, but it was a good thing when it did. Verse 1 begins with this word, behold. Behold, that means look, see. Uh, you know, this word invites us to, to look at what's being said. You know, ob- observe this. This isn't just theory. This, this is something we need to take, uh, pay attention to. It's not, it's not a platitude. Check it out. You know, it's, it's verifiable. Look, it's both good and pleasant for brothers to dwell together in unity. And the verse goes on to tell us two things about this unity among God's people. You know, first, unity among brothers is good. It's good. It's desirable. It's it's useful. It's it's praiseworthy. It's it's befitting God's people. You know that the Hebrew word here for for good is uh, tov. Back in uh, Genesis, in in the uh, creation account, God uses this word. He, you know, said let he said let there be light, and there was light, and it was tov. It was, it was good. This is the exact same word. He created the, the stars and the planets, and it was tov. He created the plants and the animals, and it was, it was tov. What else did he create? He, he created man. He created Adam. But without a wife, it says it was not tov. It was, it was not good. Adam needed somebody to be with him, to, to be with him in, in unity and, and oneness. And this, this same principle applies to God's people. If there, there is no unity, it's not good. You know, our, our relationships, the quality of our, our unity and oneness together is, is important to God. You know, it's, uh, it's our duty before him to have unity. Of course, unity is not the same as Uniformity, we're, we're different. You know, cults will attempt to impose uniformity on, on their members with every, sometimes every member dressing alike, saying the same things, doing the same things, believing exactly the, the same things that are imposed on them from the, the cult leader. It's not, that's not God's way. You know, God's way is, is harmony. One, one metaphor in the uh, the New Testament is is that of a body with, with many members. You know, each member in the body has has a different function. Paul talks about this. 
Each member is, is gifted uniquely as, as, it's, as the Holy Spirit has sovereignly willed. So we all have different responsibilities. We all have different functions. We are not all exactly the, the, the same. Um, but, you know, all the body functions, all the body functions together under the headship of Christ Jesus each member functions for the uh, the benefit and, and the the health and the building up of, of the body. You know that's kind of the that's the kind of unity we're talking about here in uh, Psalm one thirty three. You know we we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we looked at Psalm one thirty nine. We we talked about the body. You know each each of us as a member of the body of Christ is is accountable to God. Each each of us needs to be uh, individually spiritually healthy for the for the body to be healthy, you know, for the, the community, the, the church to, to be help, healthy. You know, and this, this body metaphor is, is applied uh, several times in, in the New Testament writings. You know, a body without unity is not a healthy body. A body without unity is not good, not good. Let's look at the second part. Unity among the brothers, it says, is pleasant. You know, not only does it please God when we have unity, but it's pleasant for us. Isn't it a lot nicer to, when, when you have a relationship where you're getting along well than when you're at odds with each other? That's not pleasant. You know, unless you're one of those people who, who takes pleasure in being uh, a difficult person. But for most of us, that's not pleasant. You know, it's more, enjoy, more enjoyable to work in harmony with others than, than to be at odds with each other. You know, so David has made a really simple statement here then. You know, how good, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. Now he expands this out, showing us first that uh, unity is, is a blessing from God. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of blessing from the Lord. You, know, you may have wondered as we read through this, what does unity have to do with uh, Aaron and oil and and dew on these mountains. You know, David is giving us a couple of similes. We know what similes are, right? They, they, uh, it's, it's a it's a picture of one thing that is given to demonstrate something about something else. You know, it's a figure of speech. It's a, it's a comparison. You know, David is. Uh, using these similes to demonstrate the goodness and the pleasantness of God's people dwelling together in unity. He says it's, it's like the precious oil on the head, running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. You know, it's not saying that unity is oil. It's saying it's, it's like this, this oil, this anointing oil. And this oil is is going from the the top of his head, running down, running down his hair onto his collar, onto his his robe. Just you know, this this abundant, profuse oil just dripping down. Now it's uh, th- this oil. We we know from the scripture what it is. It's a it's a special blend of oil. It's a it's a sweet, fragrant oil. And the psalmist is alluding to Leviticus uh, 8, 10 through 12, where Moses is uh, consecrating Aaron for the, the priesthood. 
Let me, let me just read that. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and he anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin on its stand to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. So unity, like like this oil being poured on the head of Aaron, Aaron has has a consecrating effect on us. It, it's it's a, a you know setting apart for God. Moses, as he anointed Aaron, was consecrating, setting apart Aaron for the priesthood, setting apart Aaron to be used by God in, in uh, the, the ministry to His people. This this consecrating effect, uh, you know, it makes us holy. It sets us apart for God's people. You know, just notice how this, again, how, how this uh, talks about the oil flowing down. Um, I've seen people anoint others with, with oil, and they, they have these little tiny flasks, you know, smaller than this, and they get a little dab and, and put it on their, the forehead. This was not like that. That was this was pouring it out. Uh, I I, int- I attended a uh, an ordination service in Dallas a few years ago. It was a a Baptist church, a Black Baptist church, and these two young men were being consecrated for the ministry. They were being ordained, and they there was a lot of prayer involved in this process before and during the uh, the service. They asked these young men many questions. And then the, the elders went back to the back room for a little bit. They came out and, you know, said, we, we approve, we, we approve. And so they anointed these two young men. They came out with a pitcher of oil. It was like one of those restaurant pitchers, you know, the kind the, the, the waitress pours, your, pours water into your water glass with. This thing was full of oil. They spread plastic out on the floor <laughs> and had these young men sit in chairs and they poured the oil on their head. They, they emptied that pitcher on those two young men and it flowed down. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is the kind of picture that the psalmist, that, that David is, is getting across here. You know, this, this sweet-smelling precious anointing oil being poured out poured out abundantly you know god's blessing being poured out profusely you know to the point of excess that's what he's describing so how is unity among the brothers like this you know there's a lot of biblical imagery going on here Exodus 30, 22 to 25 talks about this oil. Here's the recipe. Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is 250 and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil, and you shall make of these a sacred oil, anointing oil, blended by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. So this this mixture of, of olive oil and spices, uh, you know, the, uh, 
these different elements coming together, forming this this anointing oil. What that itself is a, a picture of unity. You know, the different parts coming together to make this holy oil, this this oil that was consecrated for God's use. Each part's unique, blended together. It it produces this pleasant aroma, picture of unity. You know, besides consecration, uh, anointing oil is also a a picture of healing of the the body. You know, unity shows healing. It, it, It results in healing. Of broken relationships in a in the, the body. The oil is also used in the scripture to uh, symbolize the the Holy Spirit. You know, a, a healthy church is united together in the oneness of the Holy Spirit. David next gives us a another simile in verse three. God gives us the the blessings of life. He says, "Unity is like the dew." on Mount Hermon that descended on the mountains of Zion, the mountain of Zion. Now, Mount Hermon is the highest place in Israel. Mount Zion is the highest place in Jerusalem. And the picture of the, is, is just this moisture, this, this dew coming down from, from Hermon to Zion, to Jerusalem, settling uh, when when Chris and I went do a lot of hiking at uh, Glacier National Park when we lived in Montana, you know, we'd we'd sometimes see something like this. We'd see these, we'd see this fog, this this mist coming down from a over the top of a mountain, and just kind of flowing down slowly, slowly into the valleys sometimes engulfing other other mountain peaks. This is what he's talking about, these these these, these clouds, this mist which would settle as, as dew. Mount Zion is, is where the tabernacle, later the temple was was located in, in Jerusalem. You know, Aaron, Aaron is doing his work there, his, his uh, priestly ministry, bringing reconciliation between God and man, performing a sacrifice. The, the dew signifies this, this life-giving water. You know, we know that physical life on earth cannot exist with, without water. But we have this picture in the scriptures of this living water from God, you know, this this life-giving water. This is where it says God commanded the blessing, life evermore. And we see in Ephesians 2.13 how how the unity, the the bringing together of the Jew and the Gentile brings life, brings the result of life. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's talking to the Gentiles. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that meet, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. It might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore, 
thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Unity brings life. It makes us more fruitful and invigorated. Now this promise of of blessing is intrinsically connected to unity and love among the brothers. Uh, The Apostle John talks about this, about the unity and love of Christian. He he relates it to the blessing of life from God. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So what does this short psalm mean to us as, as believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as a church? What does it mean to us? You know, it means we, we need unity. We need to have unity. Here's a question. What, what is the basis of that unity? You know, it's, it's good. It's one thing to say we need unity and pray for unity. Another thing to uh, know what that actually means. You know, a lot of times we... We want to have unity, but we want to have it on our own terms. It's like as long as everybody agrees with me, then we'll have we'll have unity. But Paul, <laughs> Paul says, you know, we we have some things that we can that we can use as a foundation for that unity. You know, there there are many organizations that, that claim to have unity. Uh, it might be based on um, some sort of affinity or a common cause. It, you know, maybe maybe uh, there's unity. People united under a, a very strong political figure. Uh, maybe somebody just unifying in, in opposition to, to something. You know, we, we see that kind of thing all the time. Let's look at Ephesians four one six though, where where Paul gives us our foundation, our basis for for unity. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to you all, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did you hear all those ones? That's what unity is, oneness. Our unity needs to be based on this oneness that God has put in place. Let's just look at these all real briefly. Seven of them. There's one body. We already mentioned this. Is yeah, there? There are many members, but one body. We all depend on each other. You know, if, if one member suffers, we all suffer. You know, in, in unity, we are to uh, regard each other with with love, humility, grace, dignity, honor. You know, we we need each other as part of a body. Without each other, we're we're nothing, right? We're just a a pile of um, 
body parts. Um, you were nothing, you know. Even the smallest and, and the seemingly most insignificant member of the body is, is hugely important. Next, there's, there's one spirit, one Holy Spirit that, that indwells us all as, as believers. He's the same spirit who conceived Jesus in Mary. He's the same spirit that descended on Jesus when John was baptizing him in the Jordan River. He's the same spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. He's the same spirit of whom Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and and you'll be my witnesses throughout the world. This this same spirit came down on the gathering of believers on, on Pentecost, and he's the same spirit that indwells us now if we are believers in Jesus. We have one hope. You know, Christ triumphed over the grave. He's he's triumphant and we're in him. Our our bodies are fading. Any amens there? That's the truth. And without Christ, we are hopeless, but we do have hope. We share the same hope. You know, together we we long for Christ's return. Our our shared hope is the same eternal destiny. We're going to be with our Lord forever. Our shared hope is is the basis for unity in the church. You know, we're we're not all going off in different directions, but we're all heading towards the same place to be face to face with Jesus. One hope. We have one Lord. It's He's the same Messiah, the the same Lord who we all worship, the same Lord who died on the cross and rose from the dead, the same Lord who's going to return to earth for his own, the same Lord, the same one who's, who's our master, the one we follow and obey, and he gives us unity. We need to make sure that the one we follow is Jesus. You know, we're, we're united in him. This could be a sermon series. We have one faith. You know, this is, this is the, the content of our, our faith. There, there's one gospel you know, if, uh, if we were to believe that there are many, many different paths to God, as some people say, we, we're wrong. We, we don't have unity. There, you know, we, we could hardly say that we have a basis for unity if there's many paths to God. But we're united in our acceptance of that foundational premise principle proposition that there is one basis for our salvation and that's uh, Jesus Christ who died for our sins you know that he was buried rose from the dead that he's alive the only way to the father is through him by him there's one baptism now I don't think Paul's talking about the mode of baptism you know I think if if he was I think that uh, this would be a basis for uh, diversity and not unity you know he's he's not talking about the mode or the timing you know what he's saying is there's no other baptism that exists except baptism into Christ you know we all come into Christ the same way by believing in him receiving him as our savior 
we're all immersed into the same spirit who's given to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And finally, we have one God and Father. You know, in the Old Testament, we see that all of the uh, the nations that surrounded Israel had their own gods. There were these uh, local gods. You know, the, the Philistines had their gods. Different different towns or regions would have their own local regional gods. You know, imagine if we had a, a god for Chewila and a god for Colville, a god for Spokane, a god for Addy. That's what they had. But we have one God, the creator, Yahweh, you know, the one true God, the one he, who revealed himself to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's the God we follow, the only God, the only true God, the one we owe our very existence to. We worship the same God and, and Father. So we don't have our own little gods that uh, separate us from other believers. We're all unified in him. So these are the things that give us our common identity. These are the things that that ground us in in unity. These are the things that uh, we can hold together. It's, It's relation. It's relational. It's all about God. It's about his revelation to us. Unity matters to God. Now, let's let's go back to this picture of the, the holy anointing oil that was poured on Aaron's head, running down his beard, all over his clothing. You know, we can we can see a picture of the church here, I believe. The church being the body. Jesus as the head. Do you remember when Jesus read from Isaiah when he began his ministry, when he was in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah? Luke 4, 18 through 19 captures that moment where Jesus read this and he quoted from the book of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's look at this picture. Jesus, the head of the body, anointed by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of raising up people who were spiritually impoverished, blind, oppressed, bringing them into his body and allowing the overflow of the spirit to anoint the members of of the body. You know, members who, who share a common purpose, the purpose of Jesus Christ, the head, you know, to, to proclaim the good news, to bring others to the savior, unified in our mission, you know, working together under the head, Jesus, unity, each member individually gifted by the, by the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to be healthy as a church, if we're going to be healthy as, a, as the body of Christ, a local manifestation of that, if we're going to experience the benefits and the blessings of vibrant life and fruitfulness, you know, we need to do, as this psalm says, to, to dwell together in unity 
you know, in order to enjoy that, that anointing that God desires for us, that he has available for us, you know, we need to, we need to consider this, this need for unity. So as, as a church, we need to seek God's purpose here, his will in this matter. We need, to, we need to look at why we exist as a church. We need to desire not, not our will, but, but God's will. Uh, not our preferences, but his. That's our challenge. So as we wrap this up, uh, this, this psalm is about unity of the brothers, the brothers and the sisters, the family members, unity among God's people. Uh, why should we have unity? You know, just just as those heart cells need to need to be together and work together for one common purpose, so do we. Why do we need unity? Because it's good. It befits us. That's what God wants for us. You know, it's it's our duty, if if you will. It's good. It's pleasant. You know, we should we should derive pleasure and, and joy from being together in unity. We need to be unified to work together in harmony to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave us to, to make disciples of all nations. You know, second, unity is a, is a blessing from God. You know, the psalm illustrates this anointing oil of the whole spirit, the Holy Spirit, where the whole body is a recipient of, of that, that oil, that, that sweet and good and, and pleasant oil. You know, the spirit coming on the body each member that's good and pleasant to us and to God finally unity brings life you know it brings growth and fruitfulness through the Holy Spirit it's uh, it's what gives it's what brings life giving water to, to dry land good and pleasant let's pray Our Father, uh, through the Holy Spirit and, and in the name of Jesus, uh, I just ask you, Lord, to let us have unity in, in this church, uh, this, this local expression of, of your body. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to have love for one another, just as Eric read out of uh, 1 Corinthians. Lord, uh, we, we want to experience the, uh, the anointing of, of your spirit. We want to experience the blessing of, of life that you desire for us. Lord, help us again to love and honor each other. Lord, to put each other's concerns above our own. Lord, remove our blinders. Uh, help, us, help us to see what you have for us, in, both individually and, and as, as a church. I pray this, Lord, for Christ's sake. Amen. And read the uh, very last verse of Second Peter, where he says, But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.